Thank you for bringing us here this morning. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. So real quick before we jump into the text, um, it wasn't last summer, it was the summer before where COVID had hit and we were like, are we even going to try to start this church? We were meeting outdoors. Do you remember that, Michael and Danny? And it was like, we're, we had this great idea that we'd meet outdoors for the summer. It was still COVID. And um, the idea was a lot better in our heads than the actuality because even like at nine, it was like hot as you can know what, you know. So, uh, man, this has been like one year of meeting. So it's just been cool to see how God's been faithful to us. So um, just wanted to share that. Okay, uh, we're going to be in John 1 today. And before we jump into that, I want to share a little story. Little did I know that Trevor was going to roll the dice. I was in high school. We were shooting free throws at practice, and we both had ambitions to play college basketball. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he asked me about Jesus. And I'm like, what? In the middle of practice, really? We've never even talked about spiritual stuff. And each practice, I had a... Me and my brother had this NBA player. He was the biggest jerk in the world, but he helped us become good basketball players. But he challenged me to make 100 free throws in a row after practice. I was like, I can't do that. So he goes, I'm going to give you a break. You can make 96 out of 100. So I'm locked in trying to make these free throws. And Trevor starts talking about God. I'm like, give me the ball. What I didn't know is... That summer, Trevor had went to a basketball camp. It was called Don Eddie Basketball Camps. And Trevor had zero religious background. But Don was a man who decided he was going to use basketball to share the love of Christ with students all over the place. And Trevor, who was in 10th grade at the time, heard the good news. He heard the gospel message. He basically heard that God loved him and that he was a sinner and that Jesus died for him and rose again and that he could accept God's gift. And he really didn't know what he was doing. But at that camp, he accepted God's gift. Trevor was a Christian now. He didn't know much about it, but right there, he was sharing with me about Jesus at the free throw line. Have you ever rolled the dice before and taken a chance to share about Christ with somebody? Have you ever known you were supposed to roll a dice, but you were like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe this just isn't the time. See, today we're going to meet some of Jesus' first disciples And one thing is for sure, they rolled the dice. Now, one of the reasons I'm using rolled the dice is because it's taking a chance, right? Like, let's be honest, talking about Jesus with people is not always easy. But there's another reason I'm using, I'm using this term rolling the dice for two reasons. When Heather and I worked in a campus ministry, we had this acronym, do you remember this, Heather? Called DICE. And what it stood for was discipleship in the context of evangelism. And what it means is, is, you know, sometimes it's, it's really fun to, today there's going to be a ladies Bible study, and this is an important part of growing in our faith, right? Because we're called to love God and love others, and we're supposed to study the Bible, and we're supposed to pray. That's part of how we love others, and we're supposed to fellowship with other people. That's all essential stuff. But in that, we're also supposed to be willing to step out and share our faith with others. Discipleship in the context of evangelism. Today I want to see us, invite, today we're going to see one of those people inviting people to come and see Jesus. And one other thing I realized is the longer we've become Christians, the easier it is for all of our friends to become Christians. Have you guys noticed that? Like when I first became a Christian, it was like all my friends were non-Christian. It was like, man, I'm going to share with everybody. And the longer I've become a Christian, 
It's almost like more and more of my friends have become Christian. That's not all bad, but God wants us to love everybody. He wants us to live and invite people to Jesus. That's one of the reasons me and Heather play in this church is because we want to see people far from God become disciples of Jesus and grow in him. I want to read one quote, and then we'll jump into the text today. And it's one of my favorite quotes. And Heather's going to recognize this right when I started. It said, if sinners will be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go there unwarned or unprayed for. Charles Spurgeon. So today I want to give us three challenges so that we will be a church that rolls the dice. And here's the first one. The first challenge, we will roll the dice when we prioritize God's presence. We will roll the dice when we prioritize God's presence. Why are these first followers prioritize the presence of God? The first thing we see is they had a great teacher. Verse 35, John 1, 35. It says, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. Discipleship was a part of their culture. John the Baptist, remember we talked about him the last two weeks. We, we saw about John a lot. He was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He had disciples. Let me just kind of paint this discipleship culture for you back then. I had a friend who went to Israel, and they had to do some stuff, learn what it was like to be a disciple of somebody. So pretend Michael was the rabbi. I would do whatever Michael's doing, so I would just do this. <laughs> Cross your legs, yeah. See, my goal wouldn't be just to learn from Michael. My goal would be to become like Michael. And in this, my friend told me what this, this teacher did to make the point is this teacher actually walked into the water with his clothes on. So they had to walk into the water with his clothes on because the goal of being a, a student wasn't just to learn from the teacher, it was to become like the teacher. And these disciples were John's disciples. And here's what John said again. We saw this last week. He uses the same terminology. It says he looked at Jesus as he walked and he said, behold, the lamb of God. Last week, we saw where that terminology came out of all the way back from Abraham and then the sacrificial system. And I looked the verse up this week. Jesus was the one who was coming. And we see him all throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, 7. This is talking about Jesus before Jesus had come. Listen to this. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that is silent before its shears, so he did not open his mouth. This is talking about Jesus and John the Baptist is saying, behold, the lamb of God. Verse 37, the two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Why did these Disciples prioritized the presence of God because they had a great teacher. John was a great teacher. And why was he a great teacher? Because he said, I'm not the main attraction. He is. And as a pastor, whether his church grows to a mega church, stays his size, my goal isn't for you guys to follow me. My goal is to point you to Jesus. Could you picture seeing this today? Like um, a big church, a pastor's like, hey, you don't need to come to my church. Anymore. Go to this church. That's what John the Baptist was doing here. It was the transfer of discipleship. He's saying, I'm not your teacher anymore. 
Jesus is. I had a seminary professor at Dallas. He would only disciple a person for two years. <clears throat> and the reason he would only disciple a person for two years is he didn't want people to take on his weaknesses. He was like, I give you two years. But man, I want you to look like Jesus, not like me. The goal of discipleship is so we become as much like Jesus as possible. So they prioritized their presence because they had this great teacher. But there was another thing. Let's look at verse 38. They asked for time. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you see? Don't you love how Jesus is always asking questions? Like you, you, you want this answer like, what do you, what do you think, Jesus? He's like, what do you think? And I think he's doing that because he wants to reveal our hearts, right? It says that Jesus turned and saw them following and said, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? I, I read this this week as I was studying for this. It said, the two disciples of the Baptist begin their response with Rabbi. The word literally means my great one, but was a common term of honor addressed by a student to his master. Could you picture standing there with Jesus and be like, Hey, man, we want to spend time with you. I mean, this is God himself. And they said, where are you staying? We want to come with you. I got to coach a uh, AAU basketball team one summer because of my brother. He's connected. And it's an eighth grade basketball team. And I come in there. And the first day I meet this guy. And we just start talking. His name was Bert Emanuel. Bert Emanuel is an NFL football player. He's famous for, um, does anyone remember when St. Louis... Rams won the uh, NFL championship with Kurt Warner. Bert Daniel was on the Tampa Bay team. Right before that, they lost. He catches a ball, goes down with it. They call it a completion, but it was the first year there was instant replay. So they overturn it and say it was incomplete. Anyway, I sit there talking with Bert Emanuel for two hours. Heather was like, where did you go? But, you know, that was a cool thing for a guy, right? I got to talk to him. What I got done, I was like, dude, I just talked to an NFL football player. These guys got to talk to the king of the universe one-on-one -on -one, or two-on-one -on -one in a group for a whole day. They asked the king of king for time and gave it to them. And guys, if we want to roll the dice with God, we have to prioritize presence. Isn't it amazing that Jesus said, yes, I will spend time with you. And what I know in my own life is, the more kids you have, the more responsibilities you get. It's not like you have more time all of a sudden, right? You have less time. But if we're not spending time with God, it's not because God's like, I don't have time with you. It's usually an issue with us. And if we want to roll the dice, because today we're talking about inviting people to Jesus, we have to prioritize presence. Verse 39, he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Could you picture just walking with Jesus just like this? Talking with him like right here when he's on earth. You remember a time in your walk with God where you just wanted God's presence? Now, let's be honest. If you've been a Christian for quite a while, that's not how you wake up every day, right? And sometimes I think when we don't have that passion, we don't have that desire, we just need to tell God, God, I don't have this desire right now. God, I'm struggling. But I want to ask you, are you prioritizing time with God right now? Do you have a plan? If you're not doing anything, why don't you start and just say, man, I'm going to give God five or ten minutes. But figure out how to prioritize that time. For some of us, we're night owls, right? Spend time with God at night. 
For some of us, we're early birds, but find out what works for you and prioritize that time with God. Okay, so the first challenge, if we're going to roll a dice, is we have to prioritize God's presence in our life. The second challenge when we roll the dice is we invite. Look at verse 40 here. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own, his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Think about this. Andrew spends a full day and remember looking for the Messiah, right? All, all these people are looking for the Messiah. And guess where he started? He started with those who were closest to him. He was convinced that Jesus was the one they were hoping for. So far in this passage, we've seen that Jesus is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist said that. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is him who it was written about. And he says, I'm going to tell my brother. Isn't this what happened to Trevor when he became a Christian? He didn't know what he was doing. Still might not know what he's doing. No, he does. He's, he's an incredible guy. But he told those people he was close to. Like, he couldn't help it. He spent time with God. He's like, I can't help it. I don't have to tell Ed about I get to tell Ed about Christ. I love this. I read this this week. It said, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother and announce, we have found the Messiah. He this became the first in a long line of successors who have discovered that the most effective and common Christian testimony is the private witness of friend to friend, brother to brother. It's raw, it's fresh, and it's just what happens. Guys, did you know church plants see more people come to Christ than even mega churches? And I think that's why, right? It's because it's like, we don't really know what we're doing. We're trying to start this church and it's exciting and we're sharing Christ and we're not worried about all the red tape. We just, we're wanting to love Jesus, right? And don't you love the freshness of new believers? Do you guys remember a new believer? I remember uh, Heather was in a Bible study one time. And this girl, she's rough. She just became a Christian. And uh, I'll be careful what I say, but in the Bible study, she was cussing. And then she used the D word and she goes, D, that's good. And all these other girls are like, what is going on with this girl? But see, God's more worried about cleaning up our heart before he does the outside. So when Trevor tried to share with me, I was rough around the edges. But here's what's awesome. His dad left him when he was a young man. Never knew his dad growing up. He was raised by his mom and his grandparents. Guess who else Trevor tried to share Christ with? His mom and his grandparents. I mean, what's so awesome about that is his mom is one of the strongest Christians I know now. His grandparents both became believers. And I remember his, his uh, grandpa, he died during covid and uh, when I was a, a uh, high school senior, my uncle said, what do you want for your, your graduation gift? I was like, give me a ca Canon camera. So I was like, you know, I'm a pretty energetic person. So just picture me with like this camera, like walking around, taking pictures of people all the time. No joke. My brother's shaking his head. He knows what I'm talking about. When Trevor's grandpa died, I had this picture of him sitting in his favorite chair. Man, it was so awesome giving it to Trevor. 
I mean, who likes a funeral, right? Funerals, that sucks. But man, as a Christian, it's a celebration. And I just remember going to that funeral and just thinking because one random basketball coach had a vision to roll the dice, and literally a whole family was changed. A whole family. And that worship service, that memorial for his grandpa was a celebration because he had hope, because he was a believer in Jesus Christ. Andrew, he told Peter, and here's what we got to know about Peter. This talk's not on Peter, but I'm going to give you a little background. He became Jesus' closest friend. Right? Jesus, Peter did some crazy stuff, right? At one point he's saying, Jesus, you're the Messiah. And other times, um, Jesus saying, get behind me, Satan. But remember at the end, Jesus and Peter have this thing. and he, Jesus and Peter were so close. And he said, Peter, I want you to feed my sheep. Do you love me? And man, Peter, one of the biggest influencers in the church. And you guys know how Peter died? As it, that Peter died, they were going to crucify him. And he said, you know what? Worthy to die like Jesus. So crucify me upside down. Peter and his wife died crucified upside down. Is this church history? Because one person said we found the Messiah. Guys, what are your circles? You got your family, right? Maybe you invite your family to Christ. You have your work. You have your hobbies. Man, are you using those circles to invite people? This year, we're hoping to about double our launch team. And I'm not a big numbers person. But as I think even about our strategy, about making disciples, about growing disciples, how are we going to do that? We're going to invite people. Man, I think about different people in this room today. Justin and Amelia, how are they finding about renovation? Nikki invited them. Right? Danny invited him. They were just at a park. Man, how are we going to reach more people for Christ? It's not about inviting people to renovation. That's great. That's part of it. We want to invite people to Jesus. That's, that's the hope of this. Verse 42. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Jesus, the master sculptor, looked at Peter, this guy who had no clue what he was getting into, and said, you know what? I see something in you that you don't even see in yourself. You're going to become a rock, Peter. And isn't that awesome that when you came to Christ, Jesus, the master sculptor, I mean, he knows what he's going to do in your life. It's going to be way bigger than you could ever picture. As I shared earlier, he struggled much of his life but man, when Peter got it, he got it. And he was a leader of the church. Guys, one of the things we're doing this semester and this year is we want to make inviting super simple. You know, maybe some of you are in here like, man, I'm never going to invite someone to Jesus, man. This, this pastor is crazy. Invite him to the Wong's house, man. I'll put Michael on him, man. Michael will share Christ with him for you. <laughs> we'll get him in that women's Bible study, man. They'll be... They'll be the strongest Christians in the world. Then we got the moms and tots stuff going on. We got tons of simple ways to invite people in. So maybe for you, it's just a simple invite into community. 
Okay, so we've seen two challenges if we want to roll the dice. We've seen that we have to prioritize the presence of God. In the There's one more thing. And the reason I want to challenge you with these things, because when these things that I'm sharing happen, when we take these challenges that I'm giving you, I think we'll naturally roll the dice with people. And the last thing is this, last challenge. We roll the dice when we follow. God doesn't want us to follow him for a season. How many of you guys know people who's like, man, they were a strong Christian. Can you guys think about people like that? They were. God wants us to follow him for a lifetime. And here's what happens next in verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and him, follow me. Does anyone know Matthew 4.19? It says, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you what? Fishers and men. Jesus says, it might happen. Come follow me. And Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. That's what God makes us when we follow him. It doesn't really sound optional. It sounds like that is something God is going to do. And he tells these men right here. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Verse 44, it says, the city of Andrew and Peter, Philip found Nathaniel. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and all the prophets wrote, Jesus of Joseph. Remember, they were looking for the greater Moses. They were looking for this lamb. They were looking for the Messiah. Found him. Notice all the different names used in this passage. There's so many, but right here, we have found him of whom Moses in the law. And here's the reality. When you find something you love, when you find something that's amazing, you can't help but tell other people about him. And that's exactly what's going on here. And what I love about this is when we follow Jesus, we start to think like Jesus. And everyone becomes a candidate for what God could do in their Nathaniel said to him, can anything good come said to him, come and see. Do you notice what's happening here? Jesus told them to come and see, right? And now they are doing what Jesus did with them. Is it discipleship? They are actually becoming like Jesus. Like, pretend I'm, no, pretend Derek's Jesus. I don't want to pretend I'm Jesus. And Derek was like, come and see. I come and see. I'm with Derek. Ed, coming exactly what Jesus is doing. He's becoming like Jesus. And I like this little banner here. We were in, we're studying the gospel of John or Wednesday night Bible studies. I mean, Jesus says some funny stuff. I mean, there's just some funny dialogue, but, but Daniel's kind of being funny too here. Like, can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know, it's like, man, that, that, I mean, can anything good come out of Dallas? Really? Like, oh, sorry, Jake. Sorry, Derek. Verse 47, Jesus saw that they is no deceit. I'll give you a little background that I'm not going to go too deep, but long story short, where Nathaniel was, I remember Jacob in the book of this. 
Jacob was a, he ended up becoming a great guy. His name changed to Israel, but what was he known for before that? He, he was a deceiver. And supposedly he was kind of in a similar area as that Jacob was. An accomplice here. He said, in whom there is no deceit. Now here's where it's going to get crazy. Verse 48. Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So right now Nathaniel's mind is just blown. He's like, what? How does it know me? He knows everything about me. He knows me right here. God, he's omniscient. He knows everything. And Jesus, the God man, is basically saying, I saw you before this tree. Him and said, are the king of Israel. Think about how amazing Jesus is. And I had a cool talk with this NFL player. And, and after I got to know Bird, I was like, yeah, he's a pretty cool guy. I mean, yes. But no, this guy had like a five-minute conversation with Jesus. He's like, dude, you're him. You are the man. You are the king of Israel. You are the son of God. Guys, we don't have to sell Jesus. Look at this. I mean, think about your deepest your deep or your something that about you that no one knows you think. God knows. I mean, this dude's pretty amazing. And he doesn't just know you. He created you. And he doesn't just know you and he created you. He loves you. Because what these guys had to realize is what Jesus told from the beginning. If you will come and see Jesus, he will sell himself. Some people will reject. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? Remember what's giving? The experience in life, John 20. The purpose lived out because you will see greater. Jesus is one up in them, right? He's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Then you're this word too, and all throughout, truly, truly, I of man. Guys, I'll close on this. Was willing to roll the dice. My friend was impacted for Jesus Christ. Generation, his mom was impacted for Jesus Christ. That's one, two, three generations right there. His grandparents were impacted for Jesus Christ. Because one man rolled the dice, right? But check this out. Now we have five generations who were impacted. are now being discipled with the good news. But here's what's even more beautiful story. He didn't know growing family. After he became a Christian, he reached out to his dad. Him and his dad is completely no religion whatsoever. Agnostic, atheist. 
Christopher's a super passionate guy about this stuff. And I just want you to picture him at the family reunion with about 100 people, zero interest in God. One guy rolled the dice. Literally, a whole family's been changed. And there's a whole side of a family who may be changed. That's just one story from a random basketball coach who said, I'm going to roll the dice, and I'm not just going to run a basketball camp. I'm going to invite people to Jesus. And as I look around this room, we've got so many gifted people here. And what if this room said, we're going to roll the dice this year. And we're going to invite. We're going to invite. There's nothing magical about Don Eddy. Uh, I remember, um, I think I went to one of his camps. I mean, he was a good dude, right? Why was he a good dude? Those camps for years. Trevor's one story. I wonder if there's hundreds of people who are going to be in heaven for sharing Christ at a basketball camp. But guys, I want to challenge us. Let's be in a church that invites. This week, we have our top five here. Man, pray for your top five people who are far from God this week. You're supposed to share with them this week. Maybe you're supposed to invite them to a Bible study. I don't know, but let's take steps to inviting people this week. Lord, thank you so much. God, you said, come and see. Lord, I pray this week we would prioritize your presence, Lord. I pray we would invite and I pray we would follow you so that we will roll the dice just like Andrew, just like Don Eddie did, just like Trevor did with me. I pray we'd be a church that has your heart. Amen.